There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Security and Secure. This is the podcast where I say it's okay to not be okay. I'm Johnny Seafoot and every week I'm my one very special guest. My guest this week spent 10 years as the longest Blue Peter presenter in history, where she was one of our TV aunties and uncles. Since then, she's gone to create the Cookie Children's Book series, and she's back on our screens on Wednesday at 9pm on BBC One, or you can obviously watch it on the iPlayer, to help celebrate BBC's 100th birthday by looking at the magic of kids' TV and its surprise history. I'm delighted to welcome to Security and Secure, Connie Hark. Hello, Connie. Hello, Johnny. Connie and Johnny. Connie and Johnny. Oh, I like yeah. it. Connie and Johnny. The Connie and Johnny show. <laughs> well, for those that don't know, the Connie and Johnny show started in 2004 when I was about 11 years old. And obviously you won't remember this if I always remind you. Um, I've seen it. I've seen a picture. You've seen a picture? You showed me a picture. I was 11 years old on Blue Peter. It was my first ever TV experience and I've never looked back. And I wanted that career in TV I wanted to always be at television centre purely because of that moment. And that's all thanks to you, effectively. And look, that's because, you know, you obviously thought a career in the media seems exciting and fun. And now it's responsible for your life because essentially that's the path you went down. And that's why I hate this whole debate about defunding the BBC when the BBC has made my life. I was doing the Big Toe radio show as a roving reporter doing TV stories. And then obviously I used to go on to the BBC all the time. So then moving to listening to Radio 1 and now Radio 2, the BBC is everything to me. And it's why I can't stand this debate of defunding the BBC. And to celebrate 100 years of the BBC, what an institution it is. Yeah, absolutely. It would be sad to not have a public service provider because it does sort of, I think, mean that some sort of standards are maintained it's so easy to have everything purely driven by the commercial isn't it especially in this really fastly progressing society that we live in it feels kind of safe doesn't it auntie and that's and also it's always got those refian values of educate inform entertain and it's always done and i think especially in lockdown the education really came into its own with bbc bite-sized to help kids the entertainment's always been there through the decades of comedy with those shiny floors like strictly 
and yeah. information. Obviously, when there's breaking news, like last week, we found out Liz Truss is resigning. Obviously, the Queen passed away earlier this year. Straight away, you're going to go to BBC News, BBC One to watch it. You're not thinking, oh, I need to put on Sky News, or I need to find it online. You're still going, right, I need to put the TV on. It's appointment to watch. I've got to do BBC One because I trust it. Yeah, I definitely think maybe it's just that we're old duffers. I kind of like having the institution that is the BBC around. But then, you know, there's so much stuff that I look at in sort of society today. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, everything is so multi frenetic. It's instant gratification culture. Everything is so fast. You know, if Johnny, if you think to when we were growing up, there were only five channels. I even remember before there was a fifth channel. But now it's madness. There's so much on offer. You know, while I was on Blue Peter, we started up the digital channel. So at one point we were Monday, Wednesday, Friday on terrestrial. And then Thursday and Tuesday, we were on the digital channels. And now there's like so many freeview channels, so many streaming platforms. There's different YouTube channels. You know, my kids just watch YouTube. There's so much on offer. And also we view in a different way, don't we? We watch stuff like binge watching so many episodes of one thing a night. Whereas in the olden days, you'd almost have a week to digest it and take the plot in. Whereas now a season finishes and the next one comes or something. And I've forgotten all the plot points, the characters, everything. You need recaps the whole time. I think that's why we're all permanently going around with brain fog. I remember back in the day when you'd gone holiday, you'd put your VHS in, your videotape, and you'd record all your programmes. I think I'd always go in the summer when Big Brother was on. And so I would record, you know, 30 hours of TV. You were never going to watch that again. <laughs> because you're right now, you'd sit, you'd binge it, scrolling on your phone, where you're not really taking in. Whereas back in the day, you really took in every single word. So, for example, if you're on Big Brother, you took every word in. If you're doing a big appeal, you know, your Christmas appeal, or you're doing um, one of those big telephones, you take in what was going on in those messages. Whereas now you'd go, oh, it's a videotape. I'm just going to um, scroll on my phone for five minutes whilst they do their thing. And then I'll come back to watch, I don't know, S Club 7. Yeah, totally. I do think there's so much stuff going for our attention nowadays that our brains are totally wired differently. And it's sort of, I don't know, for me, I find that it's, I don't know whether the two are related, but I do feel it's harder to concentrate on stuff, like to be focused just because we're so used to this sort of bombardment continual bombardment of a million zillion things but I think with TV especially now and I think taking it from an Australian perspective because I've noticed a lot on mm. their TV shows especially like Married at First Sight is it's all about that moment before the break then the recap after the break and so you've got kind of six minutes of new content and then two minutes where it builds up those two minutes become the next part which also becomes your clickbait thing for online and I think now <laughs> yeah. the shift where it's all about what's going to be that click what's that moment that's going to go viral rather than it being how yeah. you make a really nice storyline and have a beginning middle and end to one show that's on for let's say half an hour or an hour totally because it's all driven by you're right clickbait enticing people what goes viral sort of it's kind of very consumerism based and if you think about it nowadays Things aren't just a thing. They're all like a scandal, an epidemic, an outrage. Everything is so sort of heightened. It's like we're on steroids or something. Whereas in the old days, well, even with news, you'd watch a bulletin and it would round up what had happened 
in the day, but now it's 24-7 culture. You'll see that MP resigning live on air. You know, they're being doorstepped. So it's not a case of blah, blah, resigned earlier today. It's more like, oh, you're going to resign. When are you resigning? Resign now, resign now. They're resigning now. You know, every I remember when I first watched um, Rolling News and it was when 9-11 had happened. I'd never really watched anything on Rolling News that sort of warranted it or merited it before. But because you were seeing these events unfold in real time, so the plane going in the first tower, the second tower, you know, what's going on? Who is it? And suddenly it almost became, you know, you're seeing all of them, you almost get desensitized to the reality of it to some extent. And they started saying, oh, this is new camera footage, or, you know, this is a new angle of it, or here's people jumping out windows. And it's just all so surreal and so like everything is just almost, I don't know, not given the gravitas or the value that it should because there's it feels like there's just so much does yeah, that make I, sense oh a hundred percent and i think you're right and especially back then and thinking of news round because i'd have been watching news round at the time it was very much mm. top stories but also here's a lot of soft news as well to kind of so we've got a 10 minute slot let's do you know, your big stories of the day, which you're not really engaged with, but we need to tell you because that is your news. So let's say this mm. for signs, that's your news story. But here's a really nice fluffy piece now. And here's, you know, the local news that matters to you. And you're right, it's now changed into camera angles, clickbait, click, you know, sensationalised, sensationalised, sensationalised. And it just wasn't like that back in the day. And I think that is more to the power of the internet than it being the bulletins themselves. You know, if you think how the TV news studios have changed over the years, and how now it's very much all about being behind the desk and the big flashing graphics behind you. It's very different to the olden days where it was like someone standing up or sitting on a sofa. I know BBC Brett still have their sofa, but... Mm, yeah, totally. But then I wonder now, are people engaged in a different way? Because, you know, if you think young people have been brought up on a diet of having, I don't know, say TikTok or Twitter is 140 characters or whatever it is, everything is so bite-sized bulletin viral meme you know it's all very short and so is it harder for people to engage I wonder I don't know I mean it shouldn't be story good storytelling is still good storytelling but does that mean that the storytelling needs to be better or that people's standards have gone better? it's quite interesting how to observe how patterns sort of must change generation to generation well, I, didn't, I didn't want to bring your husband into it because I, I, I want to mm. focus on kids' TV. But <laughs> you uh, reminded me of something that your husband, Charlie Brooker, did, which was Newswipe. And I remember actually watching it in media studies at, in my A-level. And yeah. it was a really clever clip about how the news is put together. And it was very much reporter standing on bridge, looks to a distance, action shot, vox pop. And it was just a really interesting way of how the news bulletin is made. And I think Charlie really summed it up in that moment of this is what the news looks like. And you're right, there has been a change, but I still think we fundamentally go back to those ideas of having those big establishing shots of Downing Street or Buckingham Palace, then having a vox pop, then having a serious person talk down to you, then another vox pop, and then some more colour on the, you know, random... It's uh, very formulaic, isn't it? It's very all in the formula. formula. That's the word, yeah. No, I, I do think, you know, certain things do sort of stand the test of time, but even something like the news, I remember when I first on the news that they were reporting Posh and Beck had got engaged. And I remember thinking, that's not news, that's showbiz. And before then, it had been very rare to have showbiz included in the news 
in that manner unless it's something like really epic that sort of felt like it was I don't know maybe a death or something that happens in a toward where I don't know I'm just trying to think something that overlaps with actual news and now it feels like it's the norm to have sort of showbiz in the news and sort of it feels that everything the sort of boundaries have broken down like in the same way that sort of the royal family are like celebrities now whereas they kind of were more just like the royal family before their own entity it's like in a post-modern world all the boundaries are sort of breaking down of what goes anything goes almost it's very interesting you say that because the two examples i can think of are where those boundaries have been broken are when Aunt McPartland had his car crash and when Caroline Flack passed away. No one really knew how to handle it. Especially, I remember being on air when Caroline passed away and it was very much a case of how are we covering this? Are we doing this as uh, this is a news story and what she'd you know, done and what she'd been accused of and what mm. the allegations were? Is it that we celebrate her life and think of her as if she was, for example, you know, a, a, a big celebrity who had passed away and its tributes are pouring in. Or, and what I actually ended up doing on air, because I was on mm. air for three hours doing it, I kind of merged the two, but made it a mental health angle. And we looked at mental health and how we're talking about mental health. And I remember from a news editorial perspective, it was, well, how do we cover it? Because most of the audience from where I was broadcasting from, won't know who she is because they're not the Love Island audience, but yet she's got yeah. this massive fan base. And then it's, well, what defines a celebrity? And I think that's always been the problem with celebrity culture. And especially now, mm. that are reality star celebrities? You know, I love Love Island, the Married at First Sight. To me, they're celebrities, but people still think of celebrities being just the A-listers and who are the big film stars. I think that now, because like I said, there's so many channels on offer. There's so much... Uh, vying for our attention like YouTube and so on and so forth I think the notion of celebrity is almost personal to the consumer so mm. actually you know one person's idol is a total strange to someone else because we are out of the time when everyone more or less just had four five channels to watch so to some extent your viewing was homogenized you know, so now when they release, I don't know, the Strictly lineup, there'll be people that people don't know. Sometimes, you know, there'll be, I feel like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm, I have, I, I must be out of the loop at the moment because I don't recognize lots of these people or whatever. And it's just because it depends on what you as a person are subjected to. So, you know, one person will know sort of, I don't know, every member of parliament and another person might have a clue about any members of parliament and another person will know all the housewives of Cheshire or whatever and someone where it just depends on what you personally dip into you know my kids will think you know Dan TDM is a massive celebrity whereas you might not even know who Dan TDM is no idea yeah because he's just a youtuber essentially so it, it just depends on what you're subjected to. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, because with Strictly as well, I'm always on air every year, and I'm having to defend Strictly for their lineup because I think it's always really good. But you're right, there's someone to identify every person. So there's the, the girl Molly, who's on CBBC, but then you've got Tyler West, who's from Kiss FM, and then you've got a BBC name, and then you've got a, you know an EastEnders star, obviously. 
And it's bringing all the different BBC outlets together onto one show, which is mainstream. And when you look at YouTubers or TikTok stars and this word influencer, it's like, well, how do you define what an influencer is? Because I know that if you have 60,000 Instagram followers, you might get some brand endorsements. But on TikTok, if you've got 100,000 followers, that suddenly makes you this big influencer who does these brand deals campaigns and also is treated like an influencer. So then you get to YouTube and it is literally what makes a YouTuber you know, how many numbers you need. And are we basing everything on number or credibility or is it how much your household name was spoken about? And yeah, you're right. The lines are really blurred now. Well, and so people can make a living just from being essentially a walking billboard because people that are influencers essentially have an account just to earn money, to peddle goods that people will fling their way, you know. But reality doesn't matter anymore. It's sort of not the truth that's important. It's the perceived truth. And even we might be beyond that where you don't even need the truth. So just to give an example, you know, when Cheryl Cole was doing, I don't know, some brand endorsement, I think for L'Oreal or something like that. And then there was a big news story that actually, you know, she's endorsing this hair dye, but she has extensions. And then it was this sort of newspaper story. And it's this outrage, but I think, People don't believe that people in the skin cream adverts necessarily use that skin cream or that hair product anyway. And actually, you know, one minute you'll have, I don't know, say, I don't know, for instance, Mylene Class was on an MS campaign. And then when she finished that campaign, then she was on Littlewoods. But I don't think anyone genuinely believes, oh, she used to get all of her stuff at MS. Now she gets all of her stuff at Littlewoods because she decided that she prefers the quality of the clothes or whatever. People just know it's all driven by money anyway, but they don't care because they're all subscribing to this culture because essentially people just want to keep up with the Joneses because they think, you know, people think happiness is derived from these material goods and also they derive their happiness from the adulation that others give them having the right brand names the you know the nice house or whatever it is so it's all just a big sort of showing off fest which is just crazy because the flip side of that is ultimate unhappiness once you stop getting the likes or don't get as many likes as you did last time then suddenly your mental well-being might feel a bit affected or you know you're actually kind of a victim if you subscribe not a victim but a you know a player in the game you're a piece in the game of chess essentially you know and so actually what really we need to realize is that happiness comes from helping each other rather than helping yourself and actually true people people connections so people should like you for you rather than the clothes you wear you know the job you have or the how good looking you are or how fashionable or how many likes or how many followers you have or all of the set dressing is not what people should be attracted to you for. They should be attracted to you for you. And the thing is, is to some extent, you can show what you, who you are through that set dressing. But it's got to the point where it's almost sort of, it used to be that, you know, say something like fashion, you dictate something about yourself, it's authentic. You're making a statement about you with the clothes you wear. But now the market is so big that actually people are making the statement that they conform 
to you know that look that's come on the catwalk and now we're all going to have that look and that looks in the high many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. street store and we're all wearing and that shows that we're in so it's not sort of as authentic it's driven more by the market than yourself if that makes sense it does and i remember growing up at school wearing abercrombie and hollister and i had to have that abercrombie or hollister logo yeah. or the print yeah, because you felt accepted done. by your peers you felt you fit in you feel people will like you you feel you're cool you know, you'll be judged in a positive way, which is kind of like really not a brilliant message, is it? Because you're no, really but, a walking billboard. Yeah, correct. But then what happens is you get these Love Island stars now who all work for Pretty Little Thing or Polly or Misguided or whatever they are, and they don't have brands to them. It's just a shop. And so you're walking around thinking, oh, well, you know, I'm wearing Pretty Little Thing. But no one actually knows that's a Pretty Little Thing dress apart from if you know it or you've seen it whereas back in the day of Hollister and Abercrombie you knew if you were wearing Hollister or Abercrombie so that style over substance is really interesting because that self-esteem and that self-worth is supposed to be there but you're right but you do you can know because because of social media people go where did she get that dress or she'll write this dress is from at pretty little thing or whatever it is 
And then she'll get more free dresses from them and then she can wear more of their dresses. And that's what influencers do, don't they? But let's talk about you as an influencer, because you were an influencer for 10 years on CBBC, you know, the golden age of CBBC, as I call it, which mm. had broom cupboard, would come away from there in 97, and TC9, which if anyone's listened to this podcast and they've heard previous CBBC guests, they know how obsessed I am with Television Centre Studio 9, which had the Blue Peter Garden, mm-hmm. which is a magical place and very small in real life. The old garden had a little hill with the studio, and then at the bottom you had a little pond, and you had the little allotment. Tiny pond. It was like a puzzle, wasn't it? I remember thinking before I actually ever went there, there was this huge lake, and it was like a tiny little thing in real life. Now we're going down this memory lane. There's a little gate, I remember, next to Television Centre 9. You go through the little gate, and there's a muriel. Well, the muriel got put Mm. on much later on. And then you're suddenly in that Blue Peter God. And you're right. I thought it was like this massive park. And it's yeah. so, so small. <laughs> but oh, I've got the pictures of me holding the flag. And I still look at them from time to time uh, when I've been in that Blue Peter Garden. And just what a magical time it was. So you had that in Television Centre time. Blue Peter was in Television Centre 1, the big studio which is now used by This Morning. And I went on a tour of This Morning a couple of years ago when they moved over there. And uh, mm. big doors were there. And I was like, this is the Blue Peter studio in about... You know, an hour later, they went, this was the Blue Peter. I I know, I recognise the doors. But anyway, my point being, Mm. it was a magical time. And like you said earlier on, with the CBBC channel launch in 2002, it was just going from strength to strength. Everyone has their era of Blue Peter presenters. So people would have had the John Notes, Valerie Singleton. Some people would be with the current presenters. I don't know who they are. But for me, that lineup was always Connie, Liz, Simon, Matt. Katie Hill a little bit, Zoe Salmon and Geffen Jones at the other end. But essentially it was you mm. four. And since mm. I, 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 I suppose the first question is, taking you back there, did you realise how inspirational, how much of a thing the four of you, you, Simon, Matt and Liz were for that generation, that you were like the poster people for that generation? Because we were together presented for six years, which is quite a long time six years just the the four of us we got on so well like all four of us were such a like close-knit strong team it was just brilliant fun and so I think maybe you don't eat if you ain't broke don't fix it I don't know how much we realized but I think the fun that we had together and the genuine friendship we had really came across because so many people still say that to me now like oh yeah you, Liz, Matt and Simon, you were my era. Oh, my gosh. I remember the time when you guys did this or that or the other. And I'm always saying that, you know, those childhood years were your formative years. You know, from the ages of 0-7 when you're in primary, you're shaping. Secondary school, you're consolidating. And then it's already done. By your 20s, the blueprint is fixed. By your 30s, you need therapy to undo it all. So those years are just so important. And it was it's such a privilege to go into people's homes, you know, at tea time and just, you know, do, do the things that we did, go to the places we visited, see the things that we saw. And as with the programme that's coming out this Wednesday, actually nine o'clock on BBC One, the whole premise of Blue Peter and Children's TV was to create sort of brilliant, bright, sort of empathetic and warm human beings with the right values and morals when they become adults and so you look at something like Blue Peach and it had pets for kids that weren't allowed pets like I when I was growing up my parents never let me have a pet but I'd see them you know washing the dogs and 
like all of the stories they do with the press. Stuff like the Blue Peter Appeals, they predate comic relief. Children in need wasn't a thing. Yet they showed you how other children live in places that have been war-torn or have poverty or, you know, growing up as a young carer, maybe for an adult in the UK. You know, the appeals really showed you the world out there and the struggles that some people have. There was always inclusivity and diversity. I grew up watching Floella Benjamin and Derek Griffith. And so the premise of the programme is how children's TV was progressive and almost woke before woke. You know, Blue Peter had this appeal once for scope. At the time, it's called the Spastic Society. And because the world wasn't ready, I think people, they were very derogatory about this guy that they did filming with, Joey Deacon, because essentially people didn't understand inclusivity and diversity in the way that they do now. So children's TV was ahead of the curve on many fronts. And the programme just looks at all the different children's TV from literally Muffin the Meal up until today and how it's been so brilliant, like you've been saying, Johnny, to have an institution that sort of takes that responsibility and shares it with parents and teachers and institutions. And even shows, not just Blue Peter, but across the board of Kids TV, in my mm. era, and I'm talking, mm. so my era, I think, 98, 2005, those are my golden six years. The golden <laughs> years. The golden years. And we had things like Tracy Beaker, where you got to see what was it like to be a child in care. You had Grange Hill, which was always growing. Obviously, in the 80s, you had the Just Say No campaign with drugs, but we still had campaigns about bullying and attempted suicide in, I think it was yeah. like season 25, 26 of Grange Hill, all the way up to the End and then cooking and then we had art with smart and then we had exchange with yeah. magazine style things which was like a younger version of this morning and at the time obviously to us we knew no different we didn't really know what this morning was and then now when you look back and go do you know what we did have our own version of this drama we did have our own version of this news show we did have a panel show you know we had it all and even actually the uk top 40 which you did of adrian and my dear friend denise's husband jeremy worked on there he was the yeah. producer on there yeah. You know, you were doing the UK Top 40 for us that we didn't have to rely on being on Radio 1 listening to the chart rundown on a Sunday because it didn't exist for us. And yet you and Adrian Dixon made the chart accessible for us to know that, I don't know, Busted was number one that week. Yeah, no, I do think that that is what sort of CBBC did back in those days. It kind of made an accessible world, like you're saying, for kids to sort of dip their toe into grown-up world. So like you're saying, news rounds, for instance, which actually is still enduring today and is still as brilliant as ever. And my kids watch it at school often. So they'll come home and say, oh, Liz Truss resigned or whatever. And I think it's so important because I remember growing up and sort of thinking when my parents would watch the news, pre-me becoming you know, a viewer of Newsroom myself, whenever that started up, that like, oh, I will never be like my parents. It's so boring to watch the news, but actually it's really good at a young age to get kids enthused and make it accessible in language that kids understand. Because as an adult, you want to grasp the world and know what makes it. I remember being a kid and not understanding what taxes were, thinking that it's just vile, awful thing that people have to pay. Taxes are just evil. And then the penny dropping when I learned, oh, taxes are so we can have nice schools. And hospitals, and when I learned that pivotal moment, what they actually are. And it's so important to engage kids. The younger, the 
for better. Because even if they don't understand something first time around, for instance, I don't know, we had a show called Think of a Number with Johnny Ball, which was a science show when I was growing up, presented by Zoe Ball's dad. And you'd watch it and like they would introduce it to concepts that you weren't quite aware of yet. But the earlier you learn about, oh, electricity, okay, that's what powers X, Y, and Z. And then you might not understand it totally, but then the next time you're introduced to it, subjected to it, you understand it a little bit more. The next time you get a bit more, you know. And so the earlier we start intelligencing up or just introducing concepts, the quicker they sink into our brains. Whereas if we don't have, you know, if we just shun it away and only want to watch, you know, custard pies being flung or only one type of programming, then we're not going to sort of progress as much essentially it's funny you say that um i don't know if you saw it dick and dom did a tweet about this trust the other oh, day i did i and saw it, it. Trending. it was so funny yeah no so i did funny. see it because you're right yeah. man, custard pies and bogeys and it's like well, but i think custard well. pies and bogeys are good as well because we want kids to have brilliant humor you know i've bought out these books johnny and they're supposed to be you know they're two lots actually i've got this book is about this chaotic kid called cookie where everything sort of you know they're essentially they see the absurd in everyday life and let's face it life is getting more absurd by the minute and if you read the book you know you'll get sort of self-learning and self-intelligence but on the surface of it they're just funny laugh out loud belly laugh comedic books but you're sewing and we want kids to have intelligent humor i always want my kids to be subjected to funny things and humor but also i want my kids to be intelligent and then the other books that I've brought out, which are quite apt to the show, they're a compendium of fairy tales, actually. They're called Fearless Fairy Tales. And the paperback comes out for this Christmas. And they're all your traditional fairy tales updated to the 21st century. So you've got stuff like Sleeping Brainy, whose dad, the king, wants her to be a princess, but she wants to be Chancellor of the Exchequer. And then you've got Mouldy Socks and the Three Bears. And Mouldy Socks has got Mouldy Socks because he never washes, he never tidies, he never cleans because he's addicted to playing on his iPad and then you've got Trumpelstiltskin who's this orange mad money obsessed guy who wants more gold and more power and he rules the USK the United States of craziness and then there's Rapunzel who's the rapper who wants to get her songs out to the world and her lyrics and basically she goes on Kingdom's Got Talent the head judge Simon Scowl tells her she has to cut all her hair off because she's got stupid long hair. And so all the stories have a message or a moral. So if you want to, I don't know, discuss a bigger topic with your kids, you can. But if you just want a funny laugh out loud story, they're just a funny, quirky story. So for instance, the gingerbread kid, his people are being eaten in fairy tale land. So he comes across the sea in a boat with his family to the UK where he's bullied at school till they realise, oh my gosh, he's the most interesting kid at the school because he's got stories of cats in boots and giants up being stalked. So it's a funny, quirky, laugh out loud story if you want it to. But then if you want to discuss either bullying or prejudice or refugees, you've got a good springboard if you want, you know, if your kids are a bit older or a bit more inquisitive and aware and you want to have that conversation. Is that the best way to do it then, to have a springboard where you discuss it through books. So rather than, as, as you were just talking about and alluding to earlier on with Johnny Bull, rather than having, let's say, a show about mental health, and, you know, I, I was watching Loose Men last week, obviously Loose Women, where they have those big conversations with just men now talking and getting men to talk. Is it not better to have a show 
that's on children's TV or on YouTube that has kids discussing mental health? Or is it better to do it through books as that springboard? Both are good. I mean, because it's right. So these are more less mental healthy just to do with topics to do with the bigger world, such as inclusivity, diversity, prejudice, you know, I don't know, reading the small print in a contract or whatever, little life lessons. So, but I do think through life lessons, kids broaden their world. But I do think as a separate issue, mental health is really important. And the two do overlap. So for instance, there's a story called The Boy Who Cried Wolf. Now, traditionally, like my husband was always saying, growing up, you know, he was expected to be tough and he expected to be quite alpha male. And the book came about partly because you have these tropes like damsels in distress and knights in shining armor. But actually, it's quite important to know that you can be a knight in distress. You know, boys can cry and be sensitive and have feelings. And that's a great thing. And similarly, girls can be strong and feisty. You can have a damsel in shining armor. And we don't have to just, you know, adhere to stereotypes that can be regressive and outdated. So, you know, through books, we do give kids empathy because the more you subject yourself to being in other people's shoes, the more empathy you get, the more empathy you get, the nicer person you'll be in later life the better place the world will be if we have kids with empathy running it. You know, even if they are the president of the USA, they want to give good health care. If they're the head of a FTSE 100 company, they'll want workers to get good pay. Or if they're stacking shelves in a supermarket, they'll want to help consumers find what it is they're looking for. If everyone is empathetic, wants to help other people, is kind and caring, we can solve climate change. We can solve poverty, inequality, all of the world's problems. And, you know, that in itself can help with mental well-being because obviously happiness comes from helping each other, not helping yourself. But also we need to make sure that kids are always in a space where they feel they can be themselves and they can discuss things with people and be proud of who they are. It's so important to be proud of who you are and not feel the need to have to be anyone else other than who you genuinely are because otherwise you know for instance I remember growing up just to give an example of I was growing up in quite a sort of white middle class neighborhood and I remember me and some of my Asian friends would think oh you know uh, if I got blonde highlights maybe I'll look more attractive or more westernized or I'd feel sort of like oh you know why does my mum have to wear a sari or whatever? Because you just want to fit in and be like everyone else. You want to wear the Abercrombie and Fitch or whatever it is like we were discussing before. You want acceptance by your peers. And actually the moment that actually you have role models or diversity in children's books, on TV, you know, you see equality, then you're proud to be who you are because you don't feel different or other and you have to own it. And actually by wanting to change who you are, by wanting to appear that, I don't know, like, I don't know, just having a skin lightning cream or whatever and blonde highlights and becoming being embarrassed of being Asian then I'm being prejudiced if that makes sense I'm part of the problem you have to be proud of who you are and be proud to say be British or be British Bangladeshi or be second generation Asian and actually the minute we can all as a society just be proud of the children we are the culture we've grown up into whether we're a boy or a girl or whatever it is whoever we are religiously or culturally or whatever we want to be, it doesn't matter if your body shape isn't the same body shape as the person in the advert or whatever. All body shapes need to be in adverts. All body shapes need to be accepted. All 
skin colors or hair colors or curly straight whatever it is or hobbies whether you're a train spotter or whether you love rapping whatever it is everything needs to be accepted on its own merit and without judgment and I think that's so important and that's what children's tv and children's books should be doing from a young age so we have these brilliant grown-ups in the future oh you've summed up beautifully connie thank you so much for coming on security and school you can see connie on kids tv the surprising story on wednesday the 26th of october at 9 p.m on bbc one and catch up on the iplayer i cannot wait to watch it i can't be i can't wait to be taken back the last time was when cbb <laughs> celebrated their 30th birthday and they had that big documentary and they got everyone back and it was incredible i can't wait to watch this and feel like a child again listening to security and scared with me johnny c but if you like what you heard please do go and make the podcast like it subscribe to it share it with a friend tell everyone you've listened to it and tell everyone you love a bit of nostalgia because who doesn't and if you want to keep that nostalgia going on security and security in the past i've had angelica but i've had the kingdom i've had kirsten o'brien i've had junior hansen so go and check out those episodes if you love cbbc and you grew up with it like me you will absolutely love being taken back there thank you so much for listening i've been johnny c but until next time thank you and goodbye A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.